live from wherever you happen to be, it's the SNL Hall of Fame Podcast. And now, here's your host, curator of the hall, Jamie Dew. Oh boy. Yeah, that's, that's, that's fucking great. I really, truly do love the opening to this show. Specifically that landing. I, I just picture like a moon lander, you know, landing on uh, some barren planet. And uh, inside is a silver, or a, a rather a gold record. And on the gold record is inscribed all of the SNL Hall of Famers for posterity's sake. You know, that's something to think about. I was shopping for plaques this week, so that was interesting. Uh, yes, there will be plaques for Hall of Famers, and I will do my best to get Hall of Famers the plaques that they uh, rightfully earn. I don't know how I'm going to do that, but I'm going to attempt it. I'm going to attempt it. So there's that. How are you doing this week? Before you answer that question, look down at your filthy feet. Wipe them off on the mat before you come inside the hall. For heaven's sake. Were you born in a barn where there was no mat outside for you to wipe your feet on? <laughs> I don't know. Something like that. Anyway, hey, big news. Met with the uh, elections committee this week, and we nailed down all the finer points of the election and the dates of the show uh, and how that stuff is all going to, you know, uh, be uh, be determined. And um, uh, you'll be glad to know that you are the listener are, are still going to be called on to vote. Things are going to be a little trickier, however, for our cast members, hosts, musical guests and writers to get into the hall the threshold has been raised from 51% to 66%. You have to appear on 66% of all ballots cast to make your way into the hall. The other change that was made uh, was we finally hammered down uh, the number of votes that everyone receives. And you can cast anywhere from zero to 10 votes. That's right, you can cast zero. If you think nobody is worthy of the SNL Hall of Fame, then you have that prerogative. Uh, but you... But you must, uh, you know, um, but you can't exceed 10 votes either. So there'll be 30 candidates on the ballot and you'll have to cast for 10 of them. If uh, a balloteer, uh, a nominee, exceeds the threshold of 10% of votes cast, they remain on the ballot for the next season. If they fall below 10%, they uh, are out of the hall. Uh, they are out of uh, running for the hall, I should say. And the last thing to note is that uh, the last mechanism, the very technical mechanism here that we're talking about, is that um, once you're on the vote provided, once you're on the ballot provided you hit that minimum threshold of 10% year over year, uh, you're, you're on the ballot for five full years. So there's a lot of good, uh, a lot of good stuff was figured out. Um, the elections will start the beginning of May after the last episode in April. Uh, so it'll likely be April 26th, I, I think, I want to say. 
April 27th will be when voting starts. Uh, I'll get that for you in an upcoming episode. I gotta tell you, I'm really thrilled to introduce today's guest. It's Kirsten Turnbull, somebody I met through Facebook from this project. She's very passionate about John Mulaney. I contacted her and she was raring to go. So why don't we head right into that interview now? This is Kirsten Turnbull nominating John Mulaney. Mulaney knew he wanted to be in show business from a very early age. So did I. I, however, did not become a writer on SNL, nor did I become a four-time host of the show. If you're looking for a writer with a rat-a-tat delivery, this guy has it all. Broadway, check. Emmy Award, check. Superhero, check. But today, Kid Gorgeous himself is being added to the ballot of the SNL Hall of Fame. And if things go his way, next May, he'll have another honor to add to his bona fides. To help us fill in the gaps and get her sense of why he should be in the hall, I'm joined by Kirsten Turnbull to do just that. How's it going, Kirsten? It's going very well, thank you. This is pretty cool to be talking to you. It is. It is. Again, we, you know, met or we're connected over our love of Saturday Night Live. And so it's great to meet another fan. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely a fan for sure. Um, and I'm a fan of John Mulaney. And you happen to be a big fan as well. I'm a massive fan of John Mulaney. And I think right now is an amazing time to talk about it because he is going back on tour in 2022. And I just got tickets to the show at Madison square gardens. I'm going to fly to New York to see it. Very excited. Yep. So yeah, I am fan is an understatement. I, I think he's the total SNL package and I will make my case for why he should be in this hall of fame. Wow. Okay. I love it. So we're talking about uh, a gentleman who was a writer on the show from season 34 through season 38 in 2013 has hosted the show four times. And I don't know, I would need the SNL network. I I need John Snyder. So you like, because he hosted season 43, 44, 45, 46. I don't know that anybody has done four consecutive seasons since John. I don't know. I do know that um, there are a few writers that have hosted Conan, obvious uh louis ck has done also um four shows oh wow i don't think he'll be invited back no i don't think so So i do think that john is going to break the record and become a five-timer club as the only writer to do so and then um larry david hosted twice wow yeah but i do think john mulaney is he will break that record and I don't know at this point that there's anyone in the wings to come after that for a while. No, it doesn't seem like it, does it? No. Like at, at, at this point, we haven't really seen, you know, somebody uh, who has done that. So we are, we, we could induct John Mulaney as a writer, 
But today we are talking about John Mulaney, the host. But it's going to be tough to separate those two, you know, because he he really is that, like you said, that Saturday Night Live package. You know, he's got the whole thing going on. He is. He seems very beloved in the halls of SNL, which is a, is an energy that I think viewers can feel. And I agree. He could be in as a writer, and I think that'd be a shoo-in, but I think it's a rarer bird to find someone who's the writer and performer. And he's one of the performers that I think nails it every time, like just consistent and reliable. And that makes him extremely unique. But then the fact that he's a writer is bonus for me. Because if you think about like the Justin Timberlakes and all those go-tos for reliable hosting, he's, he's right up there. The fact that he's going to be a five-timers club. Um, I don't know why I name dropped Justin Timberlake. I'm not even a huge well, fan. But he he's in the Five Timers Club, but so are many other amazing people. But yeah, I think host, yes, because it is more impressive that he would be in as a host than a writer. Uh, yeah, I, I, I have to think so as well. Uh, just by the sheer number of times he's come on the on the show and, and consecutive seasons. That's a big deal as well. And, and just to loop back to your Justin Timberlake comment, I think it's important that they are intrinsically linked because Mulaney won uh, an Emmy Award with uh, a couple other people for writing the Timberlake monologue, the lyrics to the song and the Timberlake monologue in the finale uh, from season 36. That's right. That's right. So maybe that's where my head went. Maybe. (laughs) So talk to me about what it takes to make a great host on the show, in your opinion? I think that it's someone who, and this is more of a general statement, because I find this through the types of performers like Drake and Bruno Mars and Paul Rudd and any returning cast members, but they are just game. There is ego left at the door. They are in it with humility and enthusiasm and they are committed to character and willing to be weird and wacky that to me wins every time. And so when I watch and I see someone approach it with that attitude instantly, I am a fan of the work and I'll, I'll love everything they do, even though some skits may be not so great. And he epitomizes that for sure. I think the writer performer, these, this is my, these are my reasons for John Mulaney. One writer performer. Yeah. Like, I think that is quite obvious to everyone. Um, And a natural performer at that. Like, there may be awkwardness, but he leans into that really well, which SNL embraces. If you look at a Kyle Mooney or any of the, you know, Lonely Lonely Island or the, the new kids that please don't destroy right now, they love awkward. And they allow for those sketches to really get some air. If you think about all those wacky musicals that John Mulaney's written. Um, he's a storyteller, and he his storytelling, if you've watched his comedy, is educated, it's witty, it's not about taking down someone in the audience or disparaging groups of people or people in general. It is just smart and observational and funny, and all the little jokes that he throws in there indicate the intelligence behind it, and he brings that to his writing. And those, I think, are qualities that make someone an incredible host and obviously an incredible writer. 
And he wrote Stefan. Like his 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 range is ridiculous. <laughs> like um, the Oh Hello Broadway stuff that he does with Nick Kroll and Big Mouth. Like it's there's so much range there that is crass and hilarious, but smart, really smart. Yeah, he he definitely comes off as a a, a, a very educated, um, not educated. No, that sounds almost pretentious because it's right. smart, but not pretentious. Exactly. Exactly. Like it's, we're in on the joke, even though the joke is, is smart and clearly he's well-read, but anyone who can, you know, span from kind of toilet humor to Broadway is just an interesting person. Yeah, I agree. You know, going back to the, the musical piece, the Broadway piece, he's brought that to SNL with his much, uh, you know, we look forward to the installments oh, yeah. of the New York underground musical scene that we've got. Are there any of those that jump out at you as your as 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 your favorites or? Uh, so Lobster Diner certainly made an impression. And yeah. then what was the second one? And I, I had written these down because I had them in order. Bodega and- is the second one, isn't it? Yes, Bodega was, and there was uh, Underwear was fourth. Oh, there was Sushi at LaGuardia. Oh, right. (laughs) I forgot about that one. There's so many little things. If you really listen to the lyrics of each of those and you've ever traveled to New York or you, you know, are from New York, like they are full of little secrets in there, little Easter eggs. They're so funny. Yeah, I agree. Those things are dynamite. Yeah. And um, they are like epic in the true sense of the word as well. Like oftentimes six, seven minutes long, sometimes longer. So, you know, really uh, grandiose and 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 big um, production design as well. Full cast like, is usually in it. Costumes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a musical number. And yeah, I can imagine, and I would love to have been a fly on the wall for the pitch sessions of those. Apparently, he pitched uh, Lobster Diner like when he was still part of the staff. Oh, I love hearing about those, the pitches that won't die. Right. And so when he came back as a host, suddenly he's got more clout and it's like, yeah, we're doing we're, it. We're going to do this one. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that, I mean, that's what set them all off. And that's, one of the sketches he's known for now. Um, I think most people would reference Stefan, like his yeah, writing Stefan, because that is great. I think the musicals are next. There's um, Herb Welch. Do you remember that one? He wrote that for Bill Hader. Where, Bill Hader as well. Yeah, the... and he's like bonking people with the microphone in the face. Right. Um, I also love Cha-Cha Slide. Do you remember that one? I don't remember that. So he's on, he's gone to a wedding with Egon Wodum and he's the only Caucasian guy at the wedding and he's feeling a little bit awkward, but then he's doing the full dance routine and he knows all the moves and all the sorts of people at the party know him. And I think the way that he wrote and handled that type of, there's a deafness there that is just admirable. The way he knows how to talk about things like race and culture but in a way that is not offensive to anyone, this is my opinion, but offensive to anyone and, and just a charming piece. Like there's, again, that goes back to that kind of intelligence and respect for the material and respect for the audience. 
What do you think, Kirsten, about the some of the monologues that he's done? Thank you thank you very much it is great to be here hosting saturday night live that is um <laughs> that is a very weird thing to say uh i was a writer here for five years uh some of the best years of my life and to be hosting here is just surreal i mean i used to i used to write monologues for the host now i'm up here i get to give the monologue i get to introduce the musical guest i mean that's incredible the best intro by the way i ever saw of an snl host with the musical guest was sir patrick stewart okay sir patrick stewart was introducing the musical guest and this is how he did it he went ladies and gentlemen salt and pepper <laughs> Like he was surprised by Peppa. Like minutes before, they'd been like, we can't find Peppa anywhere. And he was like, if we must go on with salt alone, we will go on with salt alone. And they're like, three, two, one. And Peppa bursts through the door and he's like, ladies and gentlemen, salt. And what's this? Peppa! It was the best time. It was an innocent time, you know? When I was younger, I thought that the world was gonna be simple and nice. But now, at the end of my life, I'm not so sure. I'm getting grumpy, which I don't like. Like, I don't like any new songs. I don't like any new songs. Because every new song is about how tonight is the night and how we only have tonight. That's the message in 90% of songs. That's such 19-year-old garbage. I want to write songs for people in their 30s called Tonight's No Good, How About Wednesday? Oh, you're in Houston on Wednesday? Oh, okay, well then let's just not see each other for six months and it doesn't matter at all. I try to stay polite. I'm overly polite, apparently, my wife says. Uh, when my wife and I walk down the street, we have totally different styles. When she walks down the street, she does not care what anyone thinks about her in any situation. She's my hero. When I walk down the street, I need everyone to like me so much. It's exhausting. My wife said that walking around with me was like walking around with someone who's running for mayor of nothing. People ask us if we're gonna have children. We don't have any, and so we say no. And they go, never, you're never gonna have kids. And I'm like, I don't know, never. Look, 14 years ago, I smoked cocaine the night before my college graduation. Now I'm afraid to get a flu shot. People change. Strange, the passage of time. I like old-fashioned things, you know? I was, in, uh, I was in Connecticut recently doing white people stuff and... <laughs> really? Okay. And one day in Connecticut, I, I it doesn't matter why, but I was sitting in a gazebo and... There was a plaque on the gazebo and it said, this gazebo was built by the town in 1863. That's in the middle of the Civil War. <laughs> and they built a gazebo. How did that 
town meeting work. They were like, all right, everyone, first order of business. We have all the telegrams from Gettysburg with the war dead. Let's see here. Okay, everyone's husband and brother, and everyone died. Okay. <laughs> Josiah, you had something? Yes, I do. How'd you like to be indoors and out of doors all at once? <laughs> Ever walking through the park with your betrothed and it starts to rain, but you still want to hold hands? Well, may I introduce you to, and my condolences again to everyone, the gazebo! Gazebo during the Civil War would be like doing stand-up comedy now. <laughs> they used to do weird, slow, leisurely activities in the old days because they didn't have enough to do, so they had to fill the day. Back then, you woke up and you're like, oh, God, it's the old days. I gotta wear all those layers. We gotta think of some weird, slow activities to fill the time, and they did. Have you ever seen, like, old film from the past of people, like, waving at a ship? <laughs> what if I called you now to do that? Hey, what are you doing Monday? There's a Norwegian cruise line leaving for Martinique around 10 a.m. Here's my plan. We get very dressed up, including hats, and we wave handkerchiefs at the ship till it disappears over the horizon. I don't know anyone on the ship. <laughs> Everything's fast now and it's totally unreasonable. The world is run by computers. The world is run by robots. And sometimes they ask us if we're a robot just because we're trying to log on and look at our own stuff <laughs> multiple times a day. May I see my stuff, please? <sighs> I smell a robot. <laughs> prove, prove, prove you're not a robot. Look at these curvy letters. <laughs> Much curvier than most letters, wouldn't you say? No robot could ever read these. You look mortal if ye be. You look and you type what you think you see. Is it an E? Or is it a three? That's up to ye. The passwords have passed. You've correctly guessed. But now it's time for the robot test. I've devised a question no robot could ever answer. Which of these pictures does not have a stop sign in it? What? a lot of your day telling a robot that you're not a robot. Think about that for two minutes and tell me you don't want to walk into the ocean. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have a great show for you tonight. Jack White is... Oh, I love them. I think that's the... It's interesting, because usually when comedians, like stand-ups, are on the show, they get a longer monologue and it becomes a short stand-up set. His isn't always as long, and I I wonder if it's because they know they've got great sketch material coming. Oh, that's interesting. Because usually they're like 5, 10, 12 minutes. They're quite long. Um, again, this is my impression. I'm pretty sure his aren't as long. They're a little bit more than, you know, a noob. But yeah, they're dependable always. Always dependable. And that's just it. That's the host thing. That's that's a Hall of Fame trait for me which is reliable dependable the fact that they called him back to host 
I want to say it was twice in one year, right? One calendar year. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's, this is like Buck Henry and John Goodman territory, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, maybe Alec Baldwin, but I don't think so. Like I think Alec Baldwin and, and Steve Martin both did their, you know, multiple hosting since over years and years and years. Right. Whereas the other two were a little more compact. We need to fact check this. Yeah. Yeah, because that could make my my case even stronger. Yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty certain um, that it's it's Goodman for consecutive years. I've got a a pretty crazy spreadsheet that I use, <laughs> and I sort of nerd out with this stuff. Oh, but I'm it's not-, not as good as the SNL Network. The SNL Network. They've got it going on when it comes to right, right. Fa- yeah, we'll have checking. to tap John, into that. John will be John will be all over us. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll get some stats. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've. How long have you watched the show? Like, do you have a favorite era yourself? I started watching SNL around October or November of 1986. Okay. So I'm pretty sure that's the that's the. It's either the year after Anthony Michael Hall. Or the year of Anthony Michael Hall. But I remember a couple sketches from the Anthony Michael Hall, Robert Downey Jr., Joan Cusack year. Mm-hmm. I remember a couple of them, but I became like a solid gold show watcher, 87, 88, 89. You know, that was my group for sure. Phil Hartman, yep. Jan Hooks. Yeah. Is that Mike uh, Myers? Carvey, well? Mike Meyer, Kevin yep. Nealon. Yeah. Just yeah, we're similar on. in age. I'm the same. I've been watching it loyally since that time now i don't always watch it on saturday anymore i watch it no, me morning. yeah me too it's too late <laughs> yeah too late now what's funny is i have a son who's 12 and he's been watching because he's with me since he was three four years old now granted he did not get much of the content and some of the jokes are now a little bit awkwardly mature um but he's gotten on his school report card a couple of years in a row recognition of his distinct sense of humor oh wow <laughs> i was gonna send that in as my letter application to get tickets to the show and i just need to get on that i have no one to blame but myself oh that's phenomenal yeah that must make you feel so proud oh it did i was like screw the marks this was the best part <laughs> yeah absolutely if you can yeah. help somebody who's got a great sense of humor that's yeah that's amazing so talk to me about some of the signature moments when you think of uh, John Mulaney. Uh, obviously, you've mentioned Stefan. You've mentioned the musicals, but are you know? Is there is there is there one or two moments that sort of stand up for you above above others? Or uh, let's see, Cha Cha Slide was a big one. Uh, there was the scary movie spoof with Chad. He came back as the oh, right vengeful, bullied kid who. Uh, was going to try and, and murder Chad. He had the, I think he liked the scream mask kind of vibe or some sort of mask. Yeah, it was not scream, but it was some sort of mask. Um, just some crazy characters that have these insane backstories, which is pretty funny. Um, that's, what is it called? Uh, what's that name or what's... You oh, know, yeah. The show where they don't know their significant other's friends' names. Oh, that's spectacular. Yeah, yeah. There's a There's a good bunch of them and i think what i enjoy so much is that there are so again there's so many little easter eggs in there if you really listen closely uh to the writing and all of the little asides oh the birds is funny 
Oh, the birds. The birds with the yes. puppet birds. And then the the birds are pelting them with turtles and sandwich meat and stuff or sandwiches. Yes. Yeah. And when and so Tippy Hedren, Kate McKinnon, calls the birds are attacking me. And he oh, that's weird. Wouldn't you just shoo them away? And he's not really, you know, straight edged police officer playing the voice of reason. That's ridiculous. It's a bird. Um, that's a great one. Oh, that's yeah, there's so many. Drag brunch. So wait, hold on. This is a drag brunch? Yes, yes, the waiters are in drag and they say catty things to you. It's fun. Yeah, and they have bottomless mimosas. What could be better than that? <laughs> oh, look, here comes our waitress now. Wow. Good morning, bitches. <laughs> the good Lord named me Tawny Pockets and I'll be your server ass. <laughs> Hi, Tawny. Oh, this might be more fun than I thought. <laughs> might be, and you might be the worst lay in history, at least according to that bag of lotion and what it said, okay. <laughs> and you, Miss Thing, whoa. Canal Street called and wants that fake ass Chanel purse back immediately. Oh, OMG, this purse is fake Chanel. See, it says Charnel. <laughs> yes, queen, that bag is as fake as my orgasms, <laughs> trust. And somebody best be calling the fire department about this one, because that smoky eye situation has become a stop, drop, and roll one. Uh, she got me. <laughs> You've never worked for anything in your life. You've had everything handed to you. The one thing you haven't been able to purchase is a personality <laughs> and a soul. All right, bitches. I'm going to sashay away and grab them mimosas. <laughs> you guys, this is pretty fun. Is it? Oh, Gary, come on. You're not upset, are you? No, I. it's just that with you guys, she was really superficial. And then with me, like, she got dark. It's like there was no joy in her eyes. Gary, get over it. Yeah, that is what drag queens do, okay? They throw shade, they read beads. It's just part of the whole experience. Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. Maybe I'm being too sensitive. <laughs> oh, here she comes again. I'm back, kitty girls. Oh, Shazam! There's four of you, and I only brought two. Well, I made yours extra strong, because you're going to have to rub fronts with that thirsty <laughs> troll. <laughs> also, I called 911 to help out with the tragedy that is that smoky eye situation. <laughs> she will not let go of my smoky eye. Yo, don't forget about Gary. When was the last time someone smiled because you walked into a room? <laughs> I can't imagine anyone deriving joy from seeing such an overprivileged husk of a shallow human being. <laughs> oh, Kerr! I'm gonna be back with some menus. <laughs> I don't get it. I'm a, I'm a nice guy. People like me, and it has nothing to do with my godfather being the Dyson vacuum guy. Oh, Gary, she's just teasing. No, she hates me. Look. <laughs> Gary, you have to take what she's saying with a grain of salt. It just seems that the grains of salt that she's giving me are coarser than those being served to you. Oh, Gary, you don't have a poetic mind. You shouldn't try to speak in metaphors. <laughs> yeah, Gary, just enjoy your sass. Oh, my God, here she comes. I'm not sure how much more I can take, guys. I seriously might cry. Already? Okay, but then that's it for the day. Got your menus, you hungry, hungry whores. <laughs> And you, 
I know you're used to everything just being handed to you, but not today, Gary Watson. Wait, how do you know my full name? Don't you recognize me? Uh, no. Does this help? No. How about now? No. Okay, what if I do this? Wait, Milton Saunders? Correct. <laughs> I was your intern over five years ago. You scolded me over a lunch order when I worked for you at Goldman Sachs. Well, guess what? I'm a junior VP at Credit Suisse now. Wait, then why are you working here? My friend owns the restaurant and told me you were coming. Wait, so you got into full drag just to insult me? Correct. But it must have taken like two hours to get into all this. Four. Contouring takes a while if you're new to it. <laughs> anyway, I accept your apology. I didn't say I was sorry. Now, does everyone know what they'd like to order? Oh, wait, you're still gonna take our order? Yes, the agreement was that I would work a whole shift. So, what you bitches wanna eat? Okay, I guess I'll have the breakfast burrito with the sour cream on the side, please. Don't mess it up like five years ago. Yes, sir, immediately, sir. Right. Damn it! Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of really good stuff. Yeah, there um, really is. When you think he was a part of that show as well, from season 34, he started. Mm-hmm. And then he's hosted, you know, he was there to season 38, but then he came back at 43 to host. He's really been part of the show for like, you know, uh, like more than a quarter of his run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like he's a big part of this show at this point. He is. And I've heard about his audition. You know, a lot of folks that audition have said, and I can only imagine they're they're very well prepared and they've got impressions and, and all sorts of material. And he went in there and was just going to riff off some observational comedy so anyone else or most other people that would have tried that likely would have bombed and do, but they recognized in him something special. And I do feel like he's under the wing of Lauren a little bit in a really nice way. He was just tailor made for that show with the skill sets and the, you know, work ethic and the determination and all of the good, great qualities that serve people well on that show. I don't, you know, I don't necessarily want to go too far down this road, but uh, I think it's important to note that, um, you know, his relationship with the show and how important it is Mm -hmm. that there were several cast members that, you know, following uh, season, his, his performance, his first performance in 2020, um, he fell off the wagon in terms of his uh, substance abuse problems his noted substance abuse problems mm-hmm. um and then he came he cleaned up and came back in october of that year the end of october of that year uh but then had another relapse at the end of that and that was followed up by um oh my gosh i forget the word what is it called oh an uh, intervention thank you yes yeah, an, an intervention who was it was fred armison and i think seth, seth, seth myers, myers. Yeah. yeah i'm sure others and and they had an intervention, which absolutely speaks to that. I can also think of when Pete Davidson was having a public troubled time and had tweeted some disturbing things about his own, um, you know, the, the, the dark place he was in. And Mulaney came on, I think it was Weekend Update, and 
very publicly stated his support for him and kind of stuck by him and said, I'm, I'm, I'm not leaving your sight until we know that you're feeling better. So his transparency about acknowledgement of mental health and substance abuse problems is admirable and I think helpful to a lot of people. And I love that he's got the support of other people. It definitely, I think where you're going with this is speaks to how much off screen he is as a person and how appreciated he is. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. Right. Yeah. I think that yeah. that's, I think that speaks, you know, just so much to his character and, yeah. and like you said, who he is, yeah. um, that, you know, sort of this, this person that we see on the stage, kid gorgeous, you know, this confident, yeah. You know, um, confident, but not confident, you know, right. right. Um, performer is just so wonderful at, uh, at being, um, uh, uh, vulnerable in that moment, I, I suppose. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, those demons are, they'll, they'll just choose random people, right? There's, there's Absolutely. no rhyme or reason to, to who, you know, those things are affected by, and he's a really darn likable person. And I, I think as the viewing public, I know I personally love hearing when a known person, a celebrity is actually really nice in real life. I love those stories. And that speaks to it. The fact that so many people came to his aid in a time like that. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. So if you had to put, if you had to put things in a nutshell, mm -hmm. um, you know, bullet point it. Why does John Mulaney belong in the SNL Hall of Fame? This is your appeal to the voters. Okay, well, I will reference his skills as a writer um, because his performance is based so much on the writing that he does for those sketches. So, number one, his ability as a performer and a writer is a rare and beautifully unique thing in the world of SNL. Number two, he is a storyteller, which is exactly what sketch comedy is all about and what performance is all about, and he does it incredibly well. And number three, I think his style of comedy is interesting and respectful and wide-ranging. And we don't know what we're going to get with him. There's an element of surprise that keeps us on our toes. I mean, would you ever have predicted that the follow-up to Lobster Diner would be Bodega Bathroom or LaGuardia Sushi or Souvenir right. Shop Underpants? <laughs> it's, it's just wild. But, and they all are amazing sketches. But then you look at Stefan and you look at Cha-Cha Slide. Like there, there's a lot of commentary in there, but it's done in a really beautiful way. Uh, and I just, I don't think you find this list of qualities in that many people. And so I think it makes him incredibly deserving of Hall of Fame. Well said. Yeah. I think he's rarefied air, rarefied air. Rarefied. Yeah. But he, but you'd never know it because he doesn't, you know, he's not looking down at his nose at us. No, absolutely. But he, he's up there. He's rarefied air. And I am so excited. I, I'm going to go see him at Madison, Madison Square Gardens. So. Have you seen him before? 
Not live. No, I've seen all the specials, but I've not seen them live. Oh, this is so great. I know. I know. It's in June and they either had nosebleeds or VIPs. So I splurged for the VIPs. And so my friend and I are going to be decked out in John Mulaney t-shirts, hats, whatever heck else they give us, mugs. And uh, we'll be sitting there, <laughs> row six, screaming our heads off. Oh, that's amazing. Madison yeah. Square Gardens is I know. Well, also that. Jeez. I mean, you have turned it into a big weekend. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe Amazing. I'll be able to tell him that he's in the Hall of Fame. Oh, definitely tell him that. Yeah. We'll know, so we have we'll to make it happen, sure clearly, then. Yeah. right? Because I'm going to be there and I have to have good news. You can present him with this plaque. Yeah, I'm sure I'll be. that'll be easy to make happen. <laughs> well, thanks so much for uh, stopping by to talk about John Mulaney. Oh, you're very time. welcome. I love talking SNL with another fan. So this has been amazing. If, is there, uh, do you have any uh, socials that you want to plug or anything like that? Gosh, no, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally cool. Well, thanks so much. You're very welcome. Have a wonderful evening. Betty, that was uh, that was Kirsten Turnbull, and uh, I had a great time. I had a really good time talking John Mulaney with her. Uh, she is clearly a, a very big fan, and uh, I think she laid out a really great case for Mulaney as well. And you know, if you're if you're looking for a template for the Mulaney case, you can also go back and listen to the Tina Fey episode. You know, another writer who Tina Fey has hosted the show, I believe, six times. Uh, so that's one little fact check from the episode is that Mulaney won't be the first writer to uh, to hit the five-timer club, although he will be the first uh, only writer. Uh, Tina Fey was also a, a cast member, a performer. So, you know, there's that. Uh, and with that, that's basically what I've got for you this week. You've got some decisions to make. You've got uh, you got to start scratching your head here. We're 16 episodes in. We have 16 names on the ballot. You only get 10 votes, folks. You only get 10 votes. Yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to be real tough. And with that comes the end of another episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Please uh, share, subscribe, rate, and review the show. You can now rate shows on Spotify as well as Apple. We've really slowed down in terms of uh, ratings, but uh, they're much appreciated. So please go ahead and do that. I have one other favor to ask of you that has now become somewhat customary. As you're walking past, please turn out the lights. The SNL Hall of Fame is now closed. Thanks for listening to the SNL Hall of Fame podcast. You can find everything you need to know about the show at snlhof.com. Don't forget to subscribe, share, rate, and review the show wherever you get your podcast. This is Doug Denant saying, this is Doug Denant saying, see you next month in the hall.
podcasts and such. This summer's must-read mystery is Meredith Adamo's Not Like Other Girls. A girl's search for her missing classmate digs up dangerous secrets in this unputdownable feminist thriller, perfect for fans of Veronica Mars and A Good Girl's Guide to Murder. 